presented by Business Roundtable. Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook co-author Ryan Lizza. It's Monday, October 16th. Here's what's driving the day. Politico's Olivia Beavers reports that a faction of Republicans that strongly opposes Representative Jim Jordan is vowing he'll have a challenger during the House floor speakership vote on Tuesday. That's according to two House Republicans familiar with the planning. Olivia goes on, while they have not yet nailed down a specific name, they believe the person they ultimately land on will not only be able to block Jordan from the speakership, but also give cover to those who want to vote against him. The challenger will certainly take arrows from the far right flank of the conference, which is pushing hard for Jordan. One of these House Republicans told Olivia, quote, there will be an alternative for the rational part of the Republican conference. We'll obviously be covering the speaker's race in great detail all week. Well, the Senate is back in town. It returns to work after an especially eventful recess week. Expect to hear firm words of support for Israel from both party leaders on the floor this evening, particularly with Majority Leader Chuck Schumer returning directly from a bipartisan Codel to Tel Aviv. Also look for quick action on stalled diplomatic nominations this week, starting with Jack Lew's Wednesday confirmation hearing. And finally, joining me to discuss the latest on the crisis in the Middle East and how it will be affecting all of these events in Washington is national security reporter Alex Ward. Good morning, Alex. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me back. Alex, let's start with new details this morning about the Biden administration's request to Congress for an aid package to both Israel and Ukraine. What's the latest that you know about that? So it looks like the administration is explicitly tying the Israel support to Ukraine support. And this is a pretty shrewd diplomatic and, and congressional strategy here. Uh, for one, these, of course, two you know partners and allies that are at war. But also Congress has been somewhat reticent to take up Ukraine funding. Jim Jordan, who's currently up for being speaker, uh, has said he would not bring it up to the floor. So by virtue of Israel being in the situation that it's in, you know, tying those two, pushing, trying to push them out at the same time might be a way for the administration to get what it wants out of Congress. And you've had Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer say he's going to help bring this to the floor as soon as he can and not wait for the House. One could imagine that there's going to be some sweeteners in this deal, not only you know, what would be sent to Israel, which would be things like, you know, stuff for the Iron Dome missile defense system, precision guided bombs, uh, other kinds of shells, but perhaps some defense funding for Taiwan and even some border wall stuff. So you could almost conceive of this as one massive national security crisis package. And when you hear Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor talk, and you hear other administration officials talk, they're signaling quite explicitly that they would like all of these to be tied and pushed together, not only because, of course, the speed with which these uh, things are happening in the world, but also because they feel that's the their best shot at getting this through a very divided and raucous Congress. Alex, you and Jonathan Lemire reported last night that Biden is, quote, weighing a trip to Israel. Uh, tell us the latest on that development. Yeah, so Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, in a call with Biden on Saturday, invited uh, the president over to visit Israel. Biden, as far as we understand it, is quite open to the idea, thinks it could be a good way to show solidarity with Israel. I mean, Biden's whole thing has been, you know, the U.S. stands with Israel. What what better way to stand with Israel than literally standing in Israel uh, at a time like this? 
Um, it's unclear it will happen though for many reasons. One, I mean, this, you know, idea was floated just Saturday. We're talking, you know, it's Monday. So the administration's still thinking about it. It takes a long time to consider the safety precautions and protocols for a presidential trip. But again, the president's open to it. If it's feasible, my guess is it would, it would happen and it could happen as soon as this week. Uh, but that would be a tall order and a lot of things would have to fall into place. And of course, things outside of the administration's control, including, you know, if the ground invasion happens, uh, if Israel, you know, invades Gaza in this week or in the, in the near future, or if just the security situation spirals out of control, you could imagine Hamas or other groups launching more rockets into Israel and making it harder for Biden's, uh, safety to be, you know, assured while he's there. You, you might remember there was a congressional delegation in Israel recently that, uh, had to take cover as air sirens rang. So a tough situation, but Biden would like to do it if he can. Alex, the relationship between Bibi Netanyahu and Joe Biden has been transformed by the Israel-Hamas war. Tell us a little bit about that, how it's changed. Biden's relationship with Israelis, too, I think, has been transformed. He seems to be quite popular in Israel after the speech he gave. And tell us a little bit about how you think this relationship will be tested in the days to come. Well, look, Biden and Bibi are friends and friendly, despite the fact that their two countries are, you know, not necessarily always meeting eye to eye. They have a pretty good working relationship, a good personal relationship, and that has allowed the U.S.-Israel relationship to be stronger than it possibly would be, despite a lot of disagreements over, you know, the state of the of the right wing government in Israel, settler issues, etc. But that relationship has helped to survive. And Biden, right after this attack uh, by Hamas, which was brutal and has killed roughly 1,300 or so Israelis and led to 150 hostages, some of them American. I mean, Biden came out and said, look, the U.S. stands with Israel, that this was a, a heinous attack. Israel has the right to defend itself. Although Biden has been also very open about saying, you know, no one wants to see innocent people die in this war. So he's hitting both marks here that he wants to hit. But you're right. He's become extremely popular in Israel for how strongly he has sided with the Israelis after this brutal attack by Hamas. For what this could mean in the future, I mean, it depends, right? I mean, you could imagine that Biden is going to be more popular in Israel if he goes. You could imagine he'll be more popular if he continues to back Israel as it responds, including in a ground invasion. But he could lose some support, including from the government, if inevitably civilian deaths go up during a ground invasion or more airstrikes on Gaza, that Biden speaks out more for the, for Palestinians and civilians. And, you know, then he might lose some ground. But all this to say is that right now Biden is relationship with Netanyahu is pretty good. It could get stronger, um, but there's a pitfall. Alex, thank you so much for breaking this down. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for your schedule today, the House and the Senate are in. President Biden travels to Pueblo, Colorado, where he'll tour a wind tower manufacturer and deliver remarks there on the economy. I'm Ryan Lizza. Thanks for listening. America's status as the global leader in innovation is at risk. Key tax incentives for investment in the U.S. are being phased out, while other countries double down on domestic investment. Unless Congress fully reverses these tax increases on U.S. job creators, American businesses and workers will be at a competitive disadvantage. Congress, it's time to support American jobs and innovation. Restore essential business tax incentives. Learn more at BRT.org.